at the campground. We heard it in real life and like in, you know, yards away from us, we're hearing these elk bugling. And I just, my whole body was goosebumps. I was like, (gasps) are you an RV person? Or are you just RV life curious, wondering how people live in a tiny space with their family 24-7? Either way, this is a podcast for you. My name is Kate White, and I travel full-time with my family and two kids and the dog in an RV. Every week, I sit down with a fellow RV woman to learn why she chose RV life and how she has changed on the road. Pull a chair up to the fire, and let's chat. Hello, my friends and fellow RV queens. This is Kate White coming at you from beautiful Southern California today. Oh my gosh, it is 75 and just perfect here. I had the great honor of speaking with Kimberly Crossland for today's episode. And let me tell you what, this woman is passionate about RV life and about teaching others to run their own business and live on the road. And her coaching skills come through in this conversation. She is such a gem. She is very passionate about designing your life to fit what you want for you and your family and your business and just gives you the sense that anything is possible. Oh, man, she is awesome. I love this conversation and I think you will, too. Let's get into it. Hello, Kimberly Crossland, and welcome to the RV Queens podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, you're welcome. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So here's where I want to start your time in Denmark. And I know you are, you're from Arizona originally. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And then you, but you started your career in Denmark. What I'm curious to hear is Genesis story of you. How did that happen? And then how did that affect your life back in the States afterward? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, my grandma was originally from Denmark, came through Ellis Island. She kind of instilled in me this desire to remember the Danish culture that was once part of her life. And so we, um, you know, every Christmas we would celebrate on Christmas Eve instead of on Christmas day, which is, you know, in America, it's Christmas day in Denmark, it's Christmas Eve. And we would celebrate like the Danish, it's called fast alone, which is like a, basically their Halloween, but in February and you'd like go and hit a barrel and things like that. And so we would have those little, you know, um, Danish memories and Danish traditions from birth. I always had that. I, I wore like the candles on my head, which sounds terrible. <laughs> I would never recommend that to my children, but we would wear the candles <laughs> and the wreath on our head at Christmas time and sing Santa Lucia and like, and walk out and have like that, that Danish tradition. So from birth, I was, I was very involved with the Danish culture and the Danish lifestyle. And, um, and so in college, I knew I wanted to do business. I wanted to study business. I knew I wanted to study international business specifically because I was so compelled by all the different cultures. And through that path, it led me to do an internship over in London. Well, while I was in London, I met some of my grandpa's cousin's best friend's kids who are my age. You don't have to remember that. It's really not relevant, but that's how we got connected. So they were my age and they're like, why don't you come to Copenhagen for the weekend? And I said, sure, why not? Why not go to Copenhagen for the weekend? Because in Europe, that's like an hour away, an hour flight. So I 
got on a plane, went to Copenhagen, stayed with them. I met their their family, and then I came home um, or came back to London, and then I went home. Well, right after I got back into London, I was getting text messages like, you got to just come over and, and study. And all of a sudden, like 126, they decided they found a program for me to go and study for free at the Copenhagen Business School. So in my degree, and it was free. So I, how can you say no to that? And they're like, and you can just stay with my parents. You don't have to find a place to live. So I'm like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Of course, I'm going to say yes. So for that final semester, I went to Danish lessons with my grandma because she, when she came over, she was forced to speak English. And so she kind of lost the Danish language a little bit. So we went back. I mean, she still knows it, but it's different to like speak it and all of that. So we went to Danish lessons together and I started to get to know Danish. I moved over there and was it was hammered into my head every single night around the dinner table because they didn't speak the best English. They're very good at speaking English, but they wanted me to learn Danish, which I am very grateful for. And so we spoke Danish every single night and now I'm fluent in Danish. I ended up getting a job there. Uh, my job was in marketing, so it was right in line with my degree. And we could have a whole podcast episode just on my experience in Denmark, actually. But um, long story short, I got hired. They decided not to let me stay in the country after like a year and a half because they said that a, a Dane, a Danish person, could do what I do. And my boss was like, no, they can't because I need someone who has mother tongue, American English level skills and knows Danish. And so that's not very easy to find because Danish is not the most common language, nor is it the most useful. <laughs> so they ended up letting me stay. But at that point, I was exhausted with the bureaucracy. When it came time to renew my visa, I was like, listen, I have to just get back to the States. But while I was there, to your point about you know how it influenced my time coming back to Arizona, which is where I'm based at now, um, I did a lot of traveling, but it was all road trips because I was not actually allowed to leave the country. So I was in this itty bitty country, not allowed to leave, but like, I want to go and explore and I want to see things and I want to travel. And so we did a lot of traveling, like the back roads, may or may not have snuck across the bridge a couple times over to Sweden. <laughs> it was okay. And also over to Germany. I should, well, maybe I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but it's okay. It's years, years ago. I'm sure there's like <laughs> statute of limitations by now, but it was, right. it was really fun. And so... Um, that desire to, you know, continue to do like these little road trips and go see things in the back country that are not like the popular destinations. It really sparked an interest in me. And I, I felt like I discovered this new way of seeing the world, um, not only living in a country that was literally foreign to me and a whole different language and culture and candy and food and all the stuff, but just being able to like go over and, and experience something different and travel in a different way. It was not on airplanes. It was just the back roads. And it was so incredible. And the things that I saw over there when I was traveling on these back roads are things that you would never even read about in a tourist book. Like it was this little itty bitty island there where you take a ferry to go get to it. I think like 10 people live there and maybe a little bit more, but not many more. And you can go and just go hiking. You can go look at the cliffs. You can do all sorts of things. It was so fun. We went and we saw where two seas merge together and become one. And so you're literally like seeing the waters come together. And I just thought I'm in love with this, this fresh take on travel and this fresh way to see the world. It's just so much more grounded and easier. And so, yeah, I got hooked and now I'm back in the United States and 
you know, years later, me and my family were RVing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So many questions I want to ask on this topic, but uh, I can totally relate with what you're saying about finding the hidden gem locations and that feeling of awe, you know, that you have when you're, you're like, you find a beach and no one is there and it's beautiful, you know, or whatever the, the place that you found with like the rivers colliding or the Island where hardly anyone. Oh my gosh. I just, I love that feeling so much. And I'm curious, have you had that experience? Are you able to still find that experience when you're RV in the United States? Yeah. So here's a fun fact about me is I'm a little bit afraid of the dark. <laughs> and so we do go and find these back roads, but I'm not the one to get out in the middle of the night to go turn on the generator if we need to go do that, or I'm not the one to go and, you know, just anything outside at night. I mean, I'll sit around the campfire as long as people are with me. But I say that because we still have gone and found these, I've had to push through that fear of going outside and being in the dark a little bit. And it, in pushing through that fear, it has opened up so many other doors. Like I have seen more stars because you see so many more stars and you're off the off grid and away, maybe not even technically off grid, but you're just away from everything and away from everybody. And it's this new way of just really going and exploring. My husband also has family who has this gorgeous piece of land up in Colorado. And um, we've gone and our, we've taken our RV up there and there's nobody around for miles except for their neighbors, but you kind of know them, but they're still really, well, it is mild. They're miles apart. It feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. And yet I feel like it's, it's right where you're supposed to be. And it just, it, there's something about it where when you do find those little hidden gems where you're off away from, you're not, uh, you're not technically at like this manicured luxury campground. I call luxury campgrounds, anything with full hookups. <laughs> and I love those too. I just think there's a time and a space for everything. And when you're away from everything, it just, you think differently. You see the world a little bit differently. You approach your life a little bit differently. And I've noticed that you can actually just like breathe differently. It's not this, okay, what are we going to eat? And where are we going to go? And what are we going to do? You just kind of pause. And it's so incredible. I mean, you know, cause you're obviously an RVer as well. And so it's just this feeling of getting off grid and away from things that I think we all need. And you have to get away from the city to experience that. Yes. I love that. And, and I think that's what most people who live the RV life are intentional about is really coming back to being present in the moment and just enjoying your family here, right in front of you and nature here, right in front of you. And instead of kind of that rat race feeling, you know, that it's really easy to get sucked into when you live in the suburbs and your kids go to school and sports and yada, 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 like everything has to be so scheduled. It's harder to find that sense of presence, you know, when you're just, <laughs> just here at a campground or in the woods or whatever with your family. Like this is all there is. It is. And I think there's something a little bit primal about it, but I also think that we've lost that so much with Instagram today. I read a quote and I can't remember who said it. And I hate when I do that, but I can't remember who said it. Just something to the effect of when you are looking at Instagram or whatever social media network, 
and I'm on them all the time, so I'm not bashing them. But when you're looking at them, you're basically just living someone else's life, like through the lens of a screen. And when you're away and you have to be intentional about leaving, I love how you said intentional. You have to be intentional about leaving your phone inside because you don't have a place to charge it. You don't really need it unless you use it for your camera. And even still, you don't always need it. But you have you're able to just really like get back to I'm living my life. Like these are these experiences that are not through a screen. And I think the time that I felt that the most was we went up to a place called Big Lake. It's in northern Arizona. Highly recommend it. Great campground. It's huge, it's beautiful. And um prior to that trip, we'd been watching Um, it's a show called meat eater. I think it's on Netflix or whatever. It's one of the TV shows. And that was just something we'd kind of gotten into recently. And so we've been watching it. And one of the things they do on the show is they call the elk. And so you'd hear them like do their elk bugling, which I will thankfully not try to do for you here. You know what elk sound like. You can imagine it. I was really hoping you were about to do that. Yeah. (laughs) No, and you're welcome. I'm not going to. But um, I I just remember hearing on the show, like they were doing the elk bugling and and the hunters were doing it. And so they were trying to call in and everything. And I thought that's really cool. Well, the morning, no, our first night at the campground, we heard it in real life and like in... Mo, you know, yards away from us, we we're hearing these elk bugling, and I just, my whole body was goosebumps. I was like, oh, "This is what it's like. It's not through a TV screen. <laughs> oh like God. this is real life." And it just, it's those moments that I think that if you don't get out and experience it, you don't get those goosebumpy, like, "Oh my goodness, this massive animal." And I, we weren't hunting or anything. It was just, it was just there and beautiful. And and then we'd see them walking through the campgrounds, and then. We also had a skunk come through the campground. I mean, little things like that. It's just oh, a no. fun thing that you just never know what's going to happen next. And when you're not, mm-hmm. when you're not able to go out there and brave the darkness, like I do, <laughs> I do when I did, um, then you're not able to actually like live your life. And I mean, really, really live your life and just have those very authentic moments. I don't like that word authentic, but that really is like authentic living to me. When you were growing up, did you always have this sense of adventure that you seem to have now? Or do you think it was being in Denmark that kind of awakened this spark of, I like to find the back roads and the hidden gems and all this stuff? It was actually a family friend who happens to be Danish. Um, She's a very close family friend. I've known her since birth. She lives in the United States, but she's from originally from Denmark. And so now we can speak to each other in Danish, which is fun. But she um, is a photographer. I don't think that she RVs, but she's a photographer and she travels all around the world. And this will age me a little bit. We were sitting at my grandparents' house watching the slideshow, you know, like the clicker and everything. And we're watching the slideshow of her recent trip to Kenya. And then about a month later, I was out for a walk with my dad one, one evening, you know, just like you do. And he said, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And it kind of felt like one of those icebreaker questions. And so I just thought, oh, I'd go to Kenya. I just saw these gorgeous animals. I'd go to Kenya. I would try it. Why not? And um, a few months later, he surprised me. He's like, well, we're going to Kenya. And so we did. And I was 14 years old, but that was getting on the plane, flying first to Amsterdam, then into Nairobi. And then we got on, you know, on the little caravan tour and we drove around and we got to see all the animals. And, you know, I (laughs) I went to the bathroom like a mile away from a lion. (laughs) Who does that? I do. And apparently I still talk about it on podcasts, but (laughs) it was, that I think was my first like spark of adventure of like, this, 
there's something here and this is what I want my life to look like. So that was it. And then since then, since that trip, I think my dad saw that I caught that bug. And so he just, he started booking up more trips for us. And so we went to, you know, all around the world, but not very much domestically. And so fast forward to that's, that's what drove me to want to start international or go into international business specifically. Cause I was so compelled by all the different cultures and everything. But then I had that experience abroad. I still do want to travel more abroad, but I also was able to come home and be like, you know, I haven't really seen my own backyard. And I saw my backyard in Denmark a bunch, but I haven't really seen it here. And the United States is a beautiful country. It's huge. There's lots to explore. So I'd say yes and no. I've always had this intentionality about wanting to get out and see things and experience things and not just be, you know, stuck playing video games or whatever. I want to just go and like get my hands dirty and, you know, not worry about showering for a couple of days, just get out there. And so now I'm, instead of doing it internationally, I'm just doing it domestically. And so, yeah, it's, it's different, but the same. So tell me how RVing specifically came into your life. Did, did your family, did you grow up around them or did you just, do you have one of those stories that's like, we just went and bought one and tried it. How did, how did it come into play for your family? Um, so my first experience ever with an RV was when we went and we were going to get it for a family reunion when I was, I think, eight or nine years old. We went and we rented one, pulled it into my grandparents' driveway, and my grandma was just in tears. I think it's one of the only times I've ever seen her cry. And she was just in tears. And so we returned it because she's like, this is too much pressure. I don't want to do it. And I was already oh like goodness. vested in this trip. I was like, but we, I want to right. like cook in it. I want to go and I want to you know, do things. And she's like, I just can't, I can't do it. So we did something else instead. We still had a great time, but that was my only experience growing up with the RV. Well, when I got married, my husband, he traveled every summer in their RV, but they only went to one, really, they only went to one place. They, I think one or two places, but it was not this extensive travel. And so we were talking about how we wanted to raise our children traveling and seeing the world. And he was like, I don't know if I'm up for, you know, all these long flights with kids. And I thought, I'm not up for all these long flights with kids. That sounds miserable to be in an airplane for 12 hours, like, you know, metal tube above the earth where there's nowhere for them to go. And they just scream and make everybody upset. That does not sound fun and relaxing. And he was like, but I don't want to just find one place to go in the RV either. And I didn't want to do that either. I want to see new things. I want to try new things. So um, he convinced me to buy the RV. And at first, it took a little bit of convincing. Admittedly, I was like, I don't know. It feels like a lot of money. It feels like a lot of work. It feels like a lot of all this heaviness. And I was like, I just want it to be easy. Quinch road trip, get an Airbnb somewhere, you know. He's like, no, let's try this. So we went and on my son's second birthday, I was wearing my youngest. He was four months old at the time. So I was wearing him holding my two-year-old who literally on his second birthday, like to the day. So we're walking through and we bought our first RV. We we looked at a couple of them. We didn't look at a bunch of them. I had no idea what I was looking for. I was like, this just sounds like fun. Let's try it. What's the worst that can happen? And about, and we were hooked. We didn't sleep very well the first few nights, but you never really do. I don't want to say you never really do. I actually sleep great in our travel trailer now. But the first few nights we did not because you have a baby. You never really sleep great with a baby. So we came back home and it was, I was like, well, so when's the next trip? Let's book, let's book, let's book. And we just kept booking and we kept booking further out. So we'd be pushing further. We ended up finding places that were like 12 hours away. And our kids grew up in their car seats traveling to these different places. And to this day, they're excellent 
travelers on the road. I mean, they just, they're like, okay, we're going. And they just know you kind of settle in for the ride until you get there. So we don't have that stress in the car. And because of that, I think that we've been able to, to travel more, push further, see more, do more. They're up for any kind of campground. They love the ones with friends. They love the ones with just us. They love the ones with dirt hills. I mean, they, and they love the ones with playgrounds and pools too. So they just love it all. And I think it's because we did instill it in them from a very young age. Um, We have since upgraded that travel trailer though, because the first one we got was great. It was just really big. It was too big. It was bigger than we needed. And we realized, as I think a lot of RVers do, is you can downsize and you don't need a lot. And I think that's one of my big takeaways from this lifestyle is you don't need a lot to be really happy and make things just feel really easy and good. And so in the beginning, I was trying to just shove everything in there and make sure we had extra snacks and extra everything. And I mean, I guess extra snacks still do come with us, but uh, we don't need all this stuff and you don't need all the things. And so we've since not, I won't say we got a much smaller one. It's 26 feet. So it's still pretty decent size, but it, it feels more open and just easier to pull and feels easier to be in and absolutely does feel like our home on wheels. And so I love that feeling of you get those comforts, like those home comforts that go with you anywhere, but you still get to see the world. And I feel like through that, we have found the best intersection of travel for our family where it's easy, but it's different all the time, but it's fun and it's adventurous, but it's also comfortable. And I don't have to go outside at night if I don't want to go outside at night. You know, there's all the different like little things that have just made it absolutely perfect for us. And so through that, that's where I just got hooked on this lifestyle. Oh, I love it. At what point did you start your businesses? So you you guys were at home, you had little baby kids. And I know somewhere along the lines, you became an entrepreneur. And now you live part-time in your house in Arizona, and then you travel part-time. Tell me how that whole transition has shaped up for you guys. Yeah. So I actually had a business before we had kids. Uh, for about five years. And as you know, when you have children, <laughs> everything changes. And so we um, we did. We just, we kind of adapted everything. I adapted my business so that we could, I could be with them specifically. Then after we fell in love with the RV lifestyle, I realized I have to adapt even more. So it's one thing to adapt your business to having children, but it's another thing to adapt it to being able to travel with those children. And because because I've done this since they, before they were born, I feel like I had baby steps to adapt it a little bit more, which is nice. But I also got to see like the little things where I can shed that and I can take this on and I can get rid of that, but I can really lean into this. And being able to see that and really empathize with myself through that process really taught me a system for being able to design this lifestyle around the RV around the RV lifestyle. And so being able to travel whenever. Also, because I was doing this since they were so young, remember I had my four-month-old and I was holding my two-year-old's hand, um, I they weren't in school yet. And so we were able to travel more often, go on the off-peak season or off-peak times, not necessarily the off-peak seasons, but off-peak times. So not like the most crowded times during the camp, at the campgrounds. We're able to go between trips. Well, then COVID hit. And in 2020, obviously, everybody was buying travel trailers and RVs and getting off grid and, and going to the campgrounds because that was the only way really to travel and to feel you know good about traveling. 
And so we um, were kind of up against that. But at the same time, we were staying at plenty of places where there are vacancies around us. And I just felt it was July 2020, and I can really still picture it. It's like, you know, those like lightning bolt moments, you just, it gets like singed in your brain. This was one of them for me. And we were driving back home. I had, um, I just left actually a really cushy contract with an amazing company, someone I still work with. Uh, I still really admire the team, but I knew it was time to go back to my own roots of my own entrepreneurial roots especially if we wanted to RV more often, because despite being able to leave and go off grid and, and go in the middle of the week, I felt guilt and I felt, and it was not, it was all self-imposed. And I knew that about myself. They were so kind about it, like unlimited time off. You just go whenever you want, but I didn't want to take that. I wanted to make sure I had a way that I could feel better about it and not feel like worried about checking in and not, and not that they required it. It was all me, but it's still, I felt like this, this weird tug. And so I went back January, 2020, I went back March, 2020, we went camping and I thought, okay, there's something about this lifestyle that needs to, I need to like bring the two together. And so I was trying to figure out what that looked like. And so about a year later, actually, uh, sorry, July, 2020 was the first moment. There's a couple of moments. The first moment was July, 2020. We're driving home we were driving home from Durango, Colorado, which is 12 hours from our house. And we're doing the straight shot home. Our kids were great in the back seat. They were just happy. They were enjoying life. I was enjoying life. And I looked at my husband. I was like, I think I need to start a business around this feeling right here. This moment where more people can get outside and beyond the pandemic, where more people can be encouraged to travel and enjoy traveling and find the simplicity and find the ease in it. And not look at it like I was looking at it years ago where I was worried it was going to be hard and stressful and overwhelming and more work. It's actually less work. And I don't know, I don't know where I got that in my mind that it'd be more work, but I mean, sure we do work. Things break a lot on, on travel trailers. Like they're not, you know, the most durable things, but there's still joy in, in building things up and making it your own. Like our table just kind of warped, like the topping, the top on it warped. And so now we got to put a really cool design on it. And so it's kind of fun. I'm like, I never would have thought about doing that, but these are opportunities. And when you reframe how you look at it and look at the lifestyle, then you can start to see these opportunities in it. And so I got really excited about this idea and it has since evolved a lot, (laughs) but that's, you know, the nature of business. And so it started out as like road trip boxes of like activities and stuff like that for kids at the campsite and on the road. Well, I realized that the feeling I was trying to evoke was not with the children, it was with the parents. And so then I started a subscription box specifically for RVing moms. And that evolved a little bit to the point where I was ready to give it to somebody else. I loved it. I'm a subscriber now of her box, but it was not it was not where I wanted to be. And so now I've, I'm in my third phase of this. Um, I just launched a product line that specifically is more things that I have created. And to me, that was really important. I don't know why. There's probably some psychological work I need to do around that. But it, there was something that I wanted to actually go and create. And so I did. And I created um, different stationary products specific to RVers. I've never really seen that out there. There's lots of stationary out there, but there's never been like 
a beautiful way to pack the travel trailer. And so I've got like my RV packing checklist, which is my own methodology for how I actually pack up the travel trailer every time. So it doesn't feel overwhelming. And it's not like you're doing all this work just to take a vacation. It actually feels pretty simple and easy and light and and fun to do it that way. And it looks a lot nicer on the wall than it does like some junky piece of paper on the on the countertop, which is what I had before. So I say that, you know, as what I had had before. Um, and so then I've got like recipe cards that are specific to camping because there's so much nostalgia in what you make at the campgrounds. Those tastes and those smells and those flavors are directly tied to how you remember those trips. And so every, yes, it's just stationary, but it's not because there's emotion tied to all of it. And so I'm like, okay, this, I've come home to what this feels like to me and what I was really trying, that emotion I was really trying to pull out when I very first started it. But then I was still doing my business side of my other business. That was a brand new business. And then I still had my other business where I was doing copywriting and I was coaching people. Well, I realized after several experiences in other people's coaching environments that I wanted to design something that I could do specifically for the RV lifestyle. So now I'm a business coach for RVers. And the reason why that is so specific is because... The RV lifestyle is different. Just like we've already talked about, there's more intentionality behind hitting the road. I wanted to encourage people to hit the road, not always on just those quick weekend trips where you can't really take that breath and just be still for a little bit. You feel like, okay, get there. We set up, we eat, we have fun, we play and we do all these things. And then it's time to go back home again. And you don't get that chance to catch your breath. And so for me, I wanted to teach others and I do teach others how to start and build a business specifically that lets you go and travel for longer, be away for longer, not totally away from it. Cause if you love what you do, it's okay to plug in now and then, but it's also okay to leave your phone away and not feel like you have to always be posting when you're traveling and you have to always be on and answering emails and doing all the things. Cause sometimes you don't get great cell phone service. Sometimes the Wi-Fi is terrible. A lot of times the Wi-Fi is terrible. So specifically designing a business around that lifestyle so that you can go out there and you can explore and you can actually take that breath and just be for a little bit. Oh, I love that so much. I have a question here that I was going to ask you was, what was the original passion to focus on the RV life niche so specifically? But I think you've just described it (laughs) really well, which like you can hear the passion in your voice about slowing down getting back in touch with nature, you know, like taking a breath, get, getting back to like family time and time in the car and that feeling of exploration out on the road. I'm curious, if is your husband just as passionate about RV life as you are? Or like, does he still work a day job? Where does that fit into this scheme of what you've built? Yeah. So he also has his own business and he's just as passionate about the RV lifestyle. We are both very unapologetic about taking our kids out of school. <laughs> Actually, at the time of this recording, we're about to go take them out of school for a couple of days this week, just so we can go travel. Um, we went up to Colorado last year, took them, or in September, took them out of school for the whole week. And we we're fine with it because, yeah, they did some worksheets in the car, but their teachers, we put them in a place where their teachers know us really well. So they understand our lifestyle. They also very much support it. And they see that children learn more when they're playing and they're doing and they're getting their hands dirty and they're 
you know, actually outside and and not just very rigidly sitting in a chair, just writing the same sentence over and over and over again. And so my kids, yes, they're, you know, they're at their grade level and everything, but we don't, we, like I said, are very unapologetic about taking them out of school. And I love that it's so supported at their school too. And it helps me to know they're in the right place because I, I, yes, my husband is also just as, as passionate and excited about hitting the road. And so being able to do that together as a family, like there's never a fight with, are we going to take a trip? It's like, yeah, when's our next trip? Every trip we're planning another trip as soon as we come home. And we are part-timers and I've wrestled with that a little bit because part of me has felt like, well, if you're not a full-time RVer, you're not a real RVer. And I know that that's not true now. I've really wrestled with it. I don't know where this mindset came from, totally self-inflicted, but I do feel like you can have that messy middle. And I like to call myself a messy middle RVer because we don't just go on the weekends. We intentionally leave for longer and go further. And like I said, pull our kids out of school and we're fine with it because they are still learning and we're still growing and we're able to have that balance. And I think that's what it all really comes down to is that balance. You don't have to, and we're in Arizona, so you really don't have to wait for the summer months here. It's actually like our slow season is the summer months because no one wants to be outside. It's very hot and, you know, RVs don't cool down quite as easily sometimes. So if we are going to camp, it's going to be right by water and there's not a lot of water in Arizona. So we have to travel for further, but that's okay too. We don't mind going further. All of that is to say that we camp year round. And so, yeah, as soon as we can get out, we do get out and um, we really do design our lifestyle around planning those trips and hitting the road. So yeah, we're not full time, but we do get out a lot. (laughs) I love it. Messy messy middle RVers. (laughs) Put that on a t-shirt or a button pin or something because that's awesome. You've got a lot going on and your family's got a lot going on. What are your techniques for balancing mom life, running your businesses, you know, planning trips, everything you have going on. You seem like a really organized person. (laughs) I just like get a sense from you that you're maybe one of those people that's good at like breaking things down into systems and staying on top of things. Maybe I'm wrong. I am curious what techniques and tactical advice that you have for others on how to just balance it all. Yeah. I, I'm not as organized as it might seem, but I do have systems and I do like to have different routines. As much as I like adventure, I also like routine. And I think that's where the balance comes in. So the first thing that I would suggest doing is really getting empathetic with yourself. And what that looks like is listening to what your what that soundtrack is that you're playing in your mind. What are you thinking? What thoughts are you letting creep into your mind at three o'clock in the morning? right when you wake up, right before you go to bed, during the day, as you're driving, what's going through your mind? Because there are little clues in there about what's working and what's not working. And I think I said earlier, I got really empathetic with myself when I was deciding my next stages in my business, how is going to structure everything, how is going to structure my life after we had kids, and then when we wanted to travel, what that was going to look like. So just being very in tune with how you, what you're thinking And then also what you're feeling, because there is so much power in the emotion that we feel. So there's actually been, I've often said that if I didn't go into business, I'd be a neurologist because I'm so fascinated by what goes on in the brain specifically. I think that um, 
there's there's just there's so much we don't know, um, but there are a lot of, of really compelling studies. So one of those studies is that if you look at stroke victims and if there's the stroke has impacted the limbic system, which is where we feel things, that's our like emotional part of our brain. If the stroke impacted that system, it becomes harder to make decisions. And what that says to me and what that says to us is we make decisions from such an emotional state. And so when you're able to look at your feelings and you're able to look internally and very introspectively and very honestly with yourself at your feelings and say, this does not feel good. This does not feel right. Every single time I've pivoted in my business and I've made changes to my career, it's because something felt off and I can't always pinpoint it. So like I said earlier, I taught, I was working with this amazing, amazing consultancy. They do such good work. I love working with them, still do work with them, but something was off inside of me. And it was so much so that it was actually starting to present itself physically where I was having, I was really itchy and I had no other symptoms other than I just felt really itchy and I didn't know why. And I was like, what is going on? I put all the lotions, I did all the things, changed my diet, did all the stuff and it would not go away. And then I had this almost out of body experience of like, I don't know why I need to do this, but I need to step back. And I think it's because I don't let myself fully relax at the campground because I feel like I need to check in. And even if that is self-inflicted, there's some reason why I'm feeling like this and I need to take a step back. And so listening to that and being really able to come back to yourself and say, something is off here. Something's not right. I don't have to have the answers for it, but I have to know that I'm feeling it and honor that and find a way not to feel the hard stuff more, as much as the good stuff. I want to feel more of the good. And so not everything's going to be rainbows and sunshine all the time. And that's okay too. But listening to those recurring feelings and really being in tune with yourself is really important. So it's what you're thinking, that soundtrack that you're playing, what you're feeling, and then also what you're saying to others. So there's a huge part of our outward expression too. When we're talking to other people, what are we saying to them? What questions are we asking? What, what are we actually putting out there? And that's a huge clue as well, because what we say outwardly is what we want people to see about ourselves. It's what we want our life to look like. And so if you're hearing something that's not aligned to what you're thinking and how you're feeling, well, now something else is off. And so it's all about you know bringing it together so it makes sense. And if that's very different than what you're thinking, well, then there's something, there are some shifts that need to happen. And then, of course, what are you doing about it? So I would find myself Googling a lot at three o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. Well, that obviously there's something there that's going on. What am I Googling? Why am I Googling it? Why am I trying to figure out like what's going on here? And really looking at those behaviors is such a big clue into how you want to design your life. Once you have that, you can then take that like that, you know, I guess, circle of empathy that you've created for yourself. That's a terrible term, but we'll go with it. And you can take that empathy and then you can adapt it to your lifestyle. And so you can say, okay, I know that I don't want to do this anymore, but I want to do this. How can I fit it in? What will it look like? You know, a really easy example to bring up is fitness, for example. We all want to be, I shouldn't say all, I don't like to use absolute terms, but many people want to feel healthier and they want to, you know, feel good in their skin. And so, there's something there. You want to do some kind of a fitness routine. Well, as you're looking at it, how are you going to fit it into your lifestyle? How are you going to commit to doing it? And putting it down on paper and actually attaching that time to it really helps to making sure that you do show up for it. Not like, I'd love to work out today. 
instead say, no, from one to two, I'm working out today. And this is, this is what it's going to be. And so being able to really commit to it mentally and hold yourself to it, because the more you hold yourself to it, the more it's going to stick around. So getting really empathetic and then taking that empathy and really designing your life around it and attaching those specifics to it of what it's going to look like in real life. I think those specifics are huge and that's the often the missing piece of really designing a life that's going to let you live the way you want to live and feel really good in your skin and bring everything back together to alignment. Ooh, I feel like we just got a little snippet of your uh, coaching there. That was that was powerful. I'm like secretly like taking notes over here. Like, yes, empathize with yourself. Schedule it. Thank you for that. <laughs> powerful stuff. So tell me about your nuclear family that you're leading and how has incorporating, you know, frequent travel in your regular life, you know, month, I don't know how frequently you travel, I'm guessing, it sounds like at least monthly. How has that affected your family and the relationships that you guys have and are forging as your kids grow up? Yeah, I hope well, they're still pretty young. And so my goal is that in these moments, we're able to really crack open more conversations. The world is changing. It's very different today than when I was a child. And so I want to, I, both my husband is very close with his parents. I'm very close with my parents. So that was never a thing. But the way, the conversations that need to be had today are different than what they were when I was growing up, when he was growing up. And so I want to be very intentional about having those moments where we can have those conversations without it being awkward and weird, just encouraging them to know that they can always come and talk to us. And so when we have those quiet moments in the car, or not quiet, sometimes they're not quiet, sometimes we're having a dance party because they've got to get the wiggles out and we're not stopping. So there's those moments too. But other times it is quiet. And the questions that just kind of pop out of them is amazing. And I love that we have those dedicated moments where they don't have phones I mean, they're five and seven years old. Of course, they don't have phones yet. I shouldn't say of course, but they don't have phones. Um, we are, we put our phones down. I mean, if someone's driving, they're not on their phone anyway. And then the passenger, sometimes I do work if they're, you know, busy in the back seat. Sometimes I'll do my work, but sometimes I put their phone down and we just talk. And I don't think that we get enough of that in the day-to-day routine and the go, go, go and the hustle and the grind. And you might be together, but you're not together. You know what I mean? They're not like able to just oh, talk and discuss. And so we've been really careful about that. Um, when we're at the campground, we let them have their freedom. So that's kind of the opposite of what I just said. But because we've had that time in the car, we also let them push their limits a little bit more and have more freedom. And I think that camping offers that safe-ish space. I mean, of course, there's there's a lot of rules and people at the campgrounds. So you have to be you know, just aware of where your kids are and what they're doing, of course, for so many reasons. But you can also let them go a little bit further because there are boundaries, but there's also freedom that they can go and explore and meet new people and have those conversations. And because, so my kids are in a very small class at their school. There's like eight eight kids in my son's first grade. Um, Plus they have some second graders in their class too. It's a very small class, which has its benefits, 
but also we want him to get to know other people and have those different social dynamics and get to know new faces and new cultures and just have new conversations and new conflicts and new resolutions and you know just be with other people and learn that social dynamic. You can't do that when it's a small classroom as easily. You can, but not as easily. Plus, they grew up in the pandemic world where they were taken out of that classroom for a very long time at an age where that they were learning those social skills. And so being able to bring them to the campground and really help them to evolve as humans and just learn how to interact with people and just be a person and also be grounded and not always on, you know, on the go and always doing, doing, doing. They also are learning how to take a step back. And in order for them to learn that, I also have to do it. They, we have to mimic the behavior we want them to learn. And so it's forced me to kind of catch myself in those moments where I'm like, I've got to work and I got to do this and I got to do this. And I'm like, hold on, I don't. I have designed my life so I don't have to do this. Take a step back, take a breath, just be for a little bit. And it, they kind of remind me to have that permission slip, which is awesome because I, I definitely do need that sometimes. I think we all kind of get caught up in our swirl and then we need to have those friendly reminders and gentle nudges of, no, just, just go. It's okay. <laughs> oh man. I feel like I could talk with you for like three more hours about all this stuff, but I have one more question for you. And then I would love for you to share with listeners where they can connect with you online and, you know, buy from your businesses, of course, be a part of what you're up to. So the slogan for this podcast is a podcast about unexpected riches. And I'm curious to hear what are the unexpected riches or unexpected richness that you've got from RV life? Yeah, I've kind of touched on it already a lot, but it's just that stillness and just being still. And I don't think we get enough of that in the world, even if we're still at home on the couch or sometimes my guilty pleasure sometimes is trashy TV. I'll fully admit it, but that's not stillness. And I think that I need to like take even further that step back. And so the RV lifestyles really reminded me of that. And also in that stillness, more intentional conversation and meeting people, the things you say around the campfire are very different than what you might say to your barista. And you might say to the people who are supposed to like be having those open and honest conversations, but they say the barista and your hairdresser are the two people you're the most open and honest with. I think it's the people around the campfire because that's when you're relaxed and you're just there and enjoying the moment. And so that stillness in the moment with new people getting, and I'm an introvert and I still want to meet new people. So I'm like introvert, extrovert. So being able to have that stillness, but in a very relaxed way with other people is huge. Oh, I love that. And I can relate with that so much too. Okay. So go ahead and tell us where can people connect with you, buy from you, be a part of your membership? What's going on with you and the internet? (laughs) Um, Well, first I have for the business side of things, um, I've got Roadpreneur. And so if you go to roadpreneur.com slash money, I've got a free class there for you. Or if you want to get some of my systems, you can go to roadpreneur.com slash systems and just download. It's a free one sheet of how I structure my days, my weeks, my quarters. Um, So that's for the entrepreneurial minded people who might want to grab that. Those are free. Go and grab them. And then and then you're on my list and I email out every other week and eat just a newsletter full of ideas and things that I'm loving and hating and reading and doing and stuff like that. So 
that's one area. And then if you want to get any of those paper products, the stationery that's designed to simplify and connect you with, with the RV lifestyle more, um, you can go to cruisinandcampfires.com or come find me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at roadpreneur at cruisinandcampfires. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm all over. So come and say hi. I like to chat in the DMs. So definitely come and say hi. Awesome. That's so good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kimberly. It was total joy chatting with you and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. So what did you think? Was that inspiring or what? Hey, before you go, I have two things to ask you. Number one, do you have any questions about RV life? or things that you want to hear from the RV women that I'm interviewing. If you do, please send me a DM at RV Queens podcast on Instagram, and I will include those questions in some upcoming interviews. Also, if you like this show and it resonates with you, or you're being entertained by it, or made you cry, laugh, feel something... Will you please share it with a friend or share it on your Instagram stories? You can tag our guest and you can tag RV Queens podcast. And that would really spread the love and help us out a lot. Thank you for being here. I really love being part of this community and I will see you on the road. Put that on a t-shirt or a button pin or something.